breast cancer. Those are two words your patients don't want to hear and news that you don't want to deliver. Unfortunately for one in eight American women, it's a truth they'll have to face in their lifetime. And the risks are clear. Besides being female, the two major risk factors for developing breast cancer are advancing age and family history. In fact, about 80% of women diagnosed with invasive breast cancer are age 50 and older. And while family history of the disease is an important risk factor, up to 80% of women diagnosed with breast cancer don't have one. Unfortunately, many women still have misperceptions about who is at risk. They think, I don't have a family history of breast cancer, so I don't need to worry. My mom had breast cancer, but I'm only 43. The good news is that with early detection, we can try to reduce the risk of breast cancer mortality. Through awareness and education, we hope to improve patients' willingness to be screened for breast cancer. To help in this effort, Lilly has created the Strength in Knowing Breast Cancer Awareness Program and website. It's designed to educate women about their individual risks and provide a means for them to share this knowledge with others. At strengthinknowing.com, women can hear from professionals as they discuss the importance of knowing the risks of breast cancer, find out about events they can attend in their city, and help spread the message. The resources may also be helpful to you and your practice. There is strength in knowing about the risks of breast cancer. So spread the word today. Visit strengthinknowing.com and tell your patients to visit too. I didn't realize I was at risk until I visited. I told my sister, my mother, and my aunt. This program is sponsored by Eli Lilly and Company. Answers that matter. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lawrence Stryker, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. What did Abraham Lincoln, Mary Queen of Scots, and Rachmaninoff all have in common? They all suffered from Marfan syndrome, an inherited connective tissue disorder affecting 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 20,000 individuals. Men and women with Marfan syndrome have a wide range of abnormalities involving the lungs, skin, ocular, musculoskeletal, and cardiovascular systems. In addition, pregnancy is often complicated in a woman with Marfan syndrome. Today, we are joined by Dr. Marla Mendelson, an associate professor of medicine at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine and director of the Women's Cardiology Program of the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute of Northwestern Memorial Hospital which has just opened a clinic devoted to the management of women with Marfan syndrome. Welcome, Dr. Mendelson. Thank you. Well, could you please just start by reviewing for us what exactly is Marfan syndrome? Marfan syndrome is a genetic disorder that affects the connective tissue within the body. And there is connective tissue all over the body, in our eyes, in the lenses of our eyes, in our spinal cord, in our heart. They can all be affected by this syndrome. And this is a genetic defect? Yes, it is. Basically, you have a 50-50 chance. It's autosomal dominant so that if either parent had it, there's a 50% chance that the offspring will have it. What age is it usually diagnosed? It can be diagnosed in the teenage years, although it seems that people are being able to recognize it earlier 
And if a family has been tested genetically, it can be identified earlier. And so what are the physical manifestations and clinical features of Marfan? Classically, it's long arms. In fact, the arm span is greater than the person's height. And these people tend to be tall. They may have abnormalities of the chest bone, either a prominent chest bone or a kind of a bend in the chest bone or a indentation in their breastbone in the sternum. They may have long, skinny fingers and therefore can do all sorts of... Hence all the musicians. There were a number of musicians with Marfan syndrome. Yeah. So they may have long tibia. So think Abraham Lincoln. Well, yeah, they're not sure about Abraham <laughs> yeah, Lincoln. Really. But right. when you see pictures of Abraham Lincoln and his knees point upward, mm-hmm. it's presumed that his tibial length, his ankle to knee length is greater than his knee to hip length, and that's why his knees point up like that. So if you see a patient who has a phenotypic appearance suggestive of Marfan syndrome, how do you make a definitive diagnosis? Well, it is a syndrome, so you have to have different elements of the syndrome to make the diagnosis. And that would include several of these physical findings, abnormalities in the mouth, in the spine, in the heart. And there can be specific genetic testing, but that is specific for families with Marfan. So if you have a cousin with Marfan and you want to know if you have it, if the cousin's been genetically tested, then there could be a match in you or the patient. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, as a cardiologist, I assume that you are most concerned about potential cardiovascular issues. So what are the cardiovascular findings and cardiovascular risks for a patient who's known to have Marfan syndrome? The two major cardiovascular risks that can both occur at the same time or individually is that the valves of the heart are composed of connective tissue. And there can be abnormalities, especially in the mitral valve, but also in the aortic valve, where there is a prolapse of that valve, severe prolapse of the mitral valve, resulting in mitral regurgitation. And the other classic finding that may be potentially even more dangerous is the thinning and weakness and abnormality of the aorta, especially around the sinuses of Valsalva, just as the aorta leaves the heart. And that may increase over time, and as any blood vessel wall will dilate or increase, the wall can thin, and putting the patient at risk for tearing or rupture of the aorta. So given all that, are there restrictions for the patients with Marfan syndrome in situations where there's increased stress, such as physical exertion or sports? Yes, absolutely. And there's been studies that have shown that after a certain size of the aorta, that there is increased risk, and that's approximately four centimeters. And after that, if the aorta is bigger than four centimeters, then there is a risk with physical exertion, particularly weightlifting and certainly contact sports in these patients, and they tend to be prohibited from weightlifting. Now, on the flip side is that we believe that there are medications that can be given to help protect the aorta from enlarging. Would you say then that it's usually an undiagnosed Marfan syndrome that causes a sudden cardiac death during strenuous activity? Yes. That would be fair to say. So if it's diagnosed and appropriately monitored, right, it shouldn't because, happen. Right. It shouldn't happen, but it has to be closely monitored because the aorta can increase, especially in those teenage to young adult years when they're still growing, occurring. So those are the important years. And then when you get into things like pregnancy, that's a risk too. Mm-hmm. So first risk in pregnancy is that the offspring could have the Marfan syndrome. And the second risk is that during a pregnancy, the aorta can often enlarge even in normal women. And if it further enlarges, then again, the pregnant woman could be at risk of having that aorta tear 
were dissect. You're listening to Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Marla Mendelson, director of the Women's Cardiology Program of the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute of Northwestern Memorial Hospital, about the management of women with Marfan syndrome. Well, I'd like to continue talking about the issue of pregnancy because I'm assuming that you are seeing many more women who've been diagnosed with Marfan's who are choosing to become pregnant. And you mentioned that there is a risk. Specifically, when is the risk of aortic dissection at its highest? During the pregnancy, labor, pushing? It's probably sometime in the third trimester. It does not necessarily have to do with pushing, although... If there was a patient who had significant aortic disease from Marfan syndrome, I would probably recommend that she not push and that the second stage be shortened. Would you recommend automatic C-section just to avoid that altogether? It has been recommended in the literature. It has been mentioned as a potential reason to do a C-section. And again, it's more theoretic. I think when managing a woman who has the Marfan syndrome, it is important to continue her beta blocker Mm -hmm. throughout the pregnancy to help prevent this from happening. I think that's Mm -hmm. the key thing. Given that a lot of women aren't necessarily going to go with your advice, given the risks you advise women with Marfan syndrome to avoid pregnancy altogether? If their aorta is more than four centimeters, there was a very good study out of Johns Hopkins many years ago that showed that women who had aortas greater than four centimeters who were at increased risk of dissection or rupture with the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be catastrophic for anybody. And pregnancy is worse because you have two patients to consider. And speaking of the second patient, of course, there's a risk to the offspring of the mother with Marfan syndrome. So what sort of genetic testing do you recommend during the pregnancy? And what do you counsel the mother in terms of the risk to her offspring? We would tend maybe to possibly to do an echo of the baby's heart during pregnancy just Mm -hmm. to see. But again, you may not see a manifestation of the Marfan syndrome that early on. To my knowledge, here we have not been doing genetic testing during that. And again, the mother would have to be genetically tested. And then I guess theoretically, the babies could be tested during the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear about your clinic a little bit. How long has it been running and are there other centers such as this in the United States? Oh, for the Marfan? The Marfan Clinic. Well, actually, we've, as part of our Northwestern Adult Congenital Heart Center, we've been seeing Marfan patients for 20 years in that center. Mm -hmm. And recently, we've decided to identify those patients and see them in in a separate setting combined with Dr. Malazari, who's an aortic surgeon who has a strong interest in the Marfan syndrome as well. And because ultimately many of these patients go to aortic replacement uh, and aortic surgery. So we have formally listed our program. We've been doing it for many, many years and probably have the largest experience in the city. And is there a patient that's typical that you see? Or there's no such thing as the typical patient? We just follow them long term. There's no such thing as a typical patient. They may not be particularly tall. They may not particularly have all the features of the Marfan syndrome. They're pretty much uniformly on a beta blocker, although there's some new research that's looking at the angiotensin receptor blockers to help prevent aortic enlargement, which is very exciting. And are the pregnant patients followed in the clinic as well? I follow the pregnant patients in the heart disease and pregnancy program, and we watch them closely. Now, I've, the first patient I ever had with the Marfan syndrome, I did an echo every month to see what her aorta was looking like, and, mm-hmm. and I graphed it. 
and it looked like a picket fence. It would be four, and then it would be three, six, and then it would be... So there is some intrinsic problems as far as even with the echocardiography being exact. We tend to prefer, when we need exact measurements of the aorta, we use either the CT angiogram or um, an MRI. Mm -hmm. Now, you can do MRIs during pregnancy, usually after you know, 14, 18 weeks if you absolutely need it. And Mm -hmm. that brings up a very important issue in pregnancy. If a woman is having an aortic dissection, she needs to be treated just like anybody else with an aortic dissection, aggressively with the same medications. Now, of course, the clinicians have to be mindful of the second patient and be careful that drug dosing is very, very careful and meticulous and to avoid over excessive drug use, but you do everything you need, even to the point of going to surgery. I would like to thank Dr. Marla Mendelson for joining us today and sharing her viewpoints on the management of women with Marfan syndrome. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly, with your host, Dr. Lawrence Stryker. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health.